welcome to the Let's Talk Eating Disorders podcast created by the Derbyshire Eating Disorders Service. The aim of this podcast is to provide information around eating disorders, offering hints, tips and busting myths. We will be joined by other clinicians within the service to discuss a different topic every episode. We may discuss some topics that may be upsetting or triggering to our listeners. If you feel that the topic may be difficult to listen to, feel free to skip the episode. Some episodes may involve previous service users to provide lived experiences. If you have accessed our service in the past and would like to be involved, please get in touch. We are always interested in your constructive comments or if there is a topic that you would like covering that we have not yet covered, please contact us at dhcft.eatingdisordersap at nhs.net. Welcome to the role of a peer support worker episode for the Let's Talk Eating Disorders podcast. Today we have Megan, Sean, Becca and Shannon, the assistant psychologist within the service. And we've got Molly and Shirley, who are peer support workers within Derbyshire Eating Disorders Service. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. So to start from the beginning then, what is a peer support worker and how do you become one? Um, well, the peer support worker is someone that's employed within a mental health team, um, usually in the NHS, but there are, I think there are other organisations that employ peer support workers as well. Um, um, and we are people with lived experience of a mental health challenge, whether that be that you've experienced that yourself or whether you've supported a loved one through the mental health challenge. And you use this lived experience to help um, promote hope and empathise with other service users who are struggling with similar challenges um, to hopefully reach recovery. Yeah, so so we tend to be um, in positions where we're working with service users that have had a similar history in um, mental health challenges as well so that we can show that empathy and and they can realise that you know they have some someone that can understand things from their point of view. So I suppose just building on that thinking about people with eating difficulties why do you think it's important to have a peer support worker? Um, I think when I was applying for this job I did a lot of research um, from people with lived experience of eating disorders and people who have recovered from eating disorder, um, listening to podcasts and kind of like YouTube channels. And even on a lot of those, people say how refreshing it is to have someone that really understands and really like shares their experience. Um, because I think it's important to have like a multidisciplinary team in that clinical work can offer a really helpful route for someone. But when it's paired with more of an informal peer support worker role, I think it's just like a really good balance of um, them being open whilst also accessing kind of more professional work. Yeah. And from my personal, I've had personal experience of an eating disorder. And I think something that's really cemented in my mind since the start of this job, um, the people that I've worked with have said, you're the first person I've ever spoken to that's actually had had one. And, and going back to my own experience in the past, I remember it's a really lonely place to be. You don't often you don't feel that you can talk to anyone, you don't know how to express it to someone, and you're certainly not making connections with the people that have had similar experiences. So it's it's innovative, innovative even <laughs> um, that that exists now, that people can access someone that really does understand it. Thank you for that. That sounds 
really useful. Um, one thing we were wondering about was how do you fit into the MDT uh, within your role? Are you are you involved in those sort of discussions or? Um, yeah, so we would be in the MDT meetings with other um, professionals in the team. So a service user could be seeing, say, a psychologist, a dietitian, and a peer support worker, and we would all be involved in the MDT to try and like coincide our work. Um, for example, I'm working with someone who is also working with a psychologist in the mantra group. Um, so in my sessions, I'm helping her with kind of the small like activities that are set by the mantra group. So it's like, um, yeah, we coincide our work in that way. Yeah, and I think I think it's it's really useful that we are bringing a non non clinical perspective to an MDT. Um, and again, I've just been invited to an MDT for someone, um, and I think it's going to be really useful because there are things that have been said to me and um, kind of allowances made that I know haven't happened with any of the other clinicians at this point. So I think I think just having that input that you know there's things that only I have heard firsthand at this point from this person. So I think that'll be really useful to be able to, to to pass that on and to discuss where we go from here. Yeah, I think that's also we're sometimes an advocate in that way in that they mm. open up in ways they might not to other professionals. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's informal advocacy that when we go to an MDT we are and certainly not just speaking for the person, we're speaking from the role of someone who's who's got some some level of lived experience as well. So we you know, we're seeing it from that perspective. Great, thanks for that guys. Um so you spoke about this a little bit just then, Molly, in terms of what you guys do with service users, but could you give us a bit more information about what things are actually on offer for service users with eating difficulties? Yeah, so it's really patient led. So we'd like enter a session and just ask what they want from the session and what they want from peer support work. Um, but a lot of the things that we would offer are meal support at their house or at a cafe if they're struggling with social eating. Um, meal prep, um, at home meal preparation, social eating, like I said, with others or in larger groups potentially, um, shopping in supermarkets, clothes shopping if they're having kind of body image struggles. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and also um, trying to, um, although the occupational therapist will be leading on the kind of activities and hobbies and things that they may want to take up or re-engage in, um, we hopefully would be taking a role in in supporting with that in just offering that kind of side by side um doing these things together you're not on your own and kind of venturing into these things as well the other thing as well would be potentially guided self-help that is yeah 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 so we both attended the guided self-help training with a lot of other members in the team and that's um often a really useful but quite like niche I think niche treatment for a lot of service users and has to be again discussed with the multidisciplinary team to see if it's something that they would benefit from. Yeah. And another way we could help as well that quite often you'll find that um, service users are struggling to access this service and specific therapies and things but, you know because they're they're kind of holding back on that they feel a bit nervous about that and also other social care um, supports GP surgeries, things like that, that they might be struggling to access. And we could walk side by side with them and, you know, help them to get over those barriers and to start engaging in things that are going to be ultimately helpful for them. 
So again, you've already touched a little bit on this, but how do you feel you differ from the other professions that are in our service? Uh, well, I think we're coming, we're coming at this support from a non-clinical perspective, which is um, different and important. Um, we're not looking at it from a medical model at all. Um, there's no assumed study for us in eating disorders. Our experience is from a personal aspect rather than that we've read a lot of books and we know the ins and outs of it. So I think that's a very different perspective. Um, obviously, our lived experience anyway. Um, and the fact that we're openly acknowledging that um, we have got lived experience with eating disorders. Um, I expect um, worldwide people that work in eating disorders, there are going to be clinicians that have personal experience. However, they're not necessarily using that within their job. It's just something in the background where we're um, open about the fact that we have got that experience, which I think is very different. And um, the other thing is just there is purely by choice that we are involved. Um, we're not kind of a written, there's not a prescription that says you must have to pay sport as part of your recovery. This is personal choice. Yeah, I think it's often, we've also touched on this, but just like a lot more patient led potentially than other roles um, because it's such a flexible role and we can really offer like anything that they feel they need help with, whether that's in the community or in their home. Um, so yeah, it's very patient-led and I think it's quite a refreshing thing for the service user to have because it's such a new and kind of up-and-coming role that's being formed by peer support workers, which is really nice. We're really in control of what the job is because it's so new. Yeah, definitely. And I think also we we aren't, although we are supporting with meals and and things around food that isn't the ultimate and the only aim of peer support and we are trying to support people to rebuild and create a life outside of just that eating disorder as well. It sounds like a really beneficial role for our service users so I guess thank you for you know for coming into the service and doing it. Um, are there any members of our team that you do work really closely with or are you just kind of supporting as and when? Um, we work closely with the OTs are our line managers, so occupational therapists. Um, we work closely under them. They help triage our referrals from the rest of the team um, and kind of look at what work best suits that um, service user that we could get involved in. Mm. And I think Shirley's touched on this, but occupational therapist assistants, our work is quite closely related to some of the work they would do, but we come at it from more of a befriending type role rather than um, a more structured kind of occupational role, I suppose. Yeah, we're not involved in kind of teaching and helping someone to learn new skills like an, an OT or an OT assistant would be doing, but um, whilst they're um, potentially practising some of the skills that they have been guided into, we, we will be walking again side by side, offering that empathy, offering some a, a vision of hope as well, that, you know, that these are things they can do and that the future can be brighter and without eating disorder. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for explaining explaining your role really well. Um, one thing I suppose we're thinking and, and definitely some uh, possible service users are thinking, how would you actually access a peer support worker? Um, well, um, the clients that we work with need to be current patients, first of all, within the Derbyshire Adult Eating Disorder team. So we can't take patients outside of there. Um, 
the client could approach the care coordinator. So if they if they um, are interested in peer support, they can do that. Or the care coordinator may suggest that directly to a person if they feel that it's going to be beneficial as well. Yeah. So once we receive a referral or we um, um, the occupational therapist receive a referral, we'll then take this to a triage meeting, which happens weekly and we'll kind of discuss Shirley and I are based in different areas. So Shirley's in Derby City and I'm in the High Peak. So um, if the service user is based in either of those areas, we'll allocate according to that and according to whether we think they're most suited to someone with direct lived experience or someone who has lived experience of supporting a loved one. Um, yeah. Perfect. Thank you guys for clarifying that. So I suppose just thinking about your role, what would you say the most challenging part of your job is? Um, for me, I think um, something that's come up, I, I've only been in this role for a few months, so it, I've not had a lot of experience, but something that does come up is sometimes it's difficult to manage um, the client's expectations of you. you they, they see you as being completely recovered, completely having all the answers and you've been there and done that and you can tell me how I can do it. And that's something that I've had to kind of step back and talk, you know, with supervisors about and kind of work out how to manage that expectation. My story isn't your story. And, you know, it, it, I'm a sign of hope, but I'm not an answer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would also agree. I think we both kind of struggled with how open to be at the start of our job when we first started seeing people. Um, I think as peer support workers, you're kind of advertised as this open book that, is there to learn from which we definitely are and it's part of the role to be empathetic but I think there's a line that can be crossed with oversharing which can be uncomfortable for both you and the service user so that was a challenge yeah. um, and sometimes you don't feel you don't notice the line until you've passed it and then you look back on the sessions and think mm. yeah yeah I think it's like everyone has that in everyday life don't they where you've overshared and then you've regretted it afterwards and I think it's just trying to find like a balance within work is it's definitely a learning process isn't it as we go along we we realize well that didn't quite go right and we'll do do it differently next time yeah yeah I'd say another challenge that I kind of jotted down for this question was that um it's obviously just one of the most challenging parts of the job for me is just being around people that are suffering so much um and kind of having a lot to take on in that way um but i think that just getting support from managers and we definitely get support from each other a lot yeah. i think and sharing experiences has helped with that um and there's always like the good experiences and hearing the like recovery stories always outweighs that definitely absolutely yeah so what would you say are your favorite parts of the job um i we, we've been in a really lucky position that we're the first peer support workers in this role so we've been allowed to mold it and shape it to what we feel is beneficial and the things that we would enjoy which has been lovely that's been really nice yeah I think the job being so flexible and every day is different because every patient is different and kind of just yeah I think the flexibility of the job and the variety is something that I really like and again I think we've touched on this but just for example like receiving a text or an email about a way that you've helped someone is just so amazing to see and that I think that makes it really rewarding um it does and for me as well having had an eating disorder um I find it 
I feel pride that my experiences have been valuable and I'll continue to be valuable for someone else that hopefully can help them as well. That's that's an amazing feeling to have. So our last question is, what would be your one takeaway message as a peer support worker to anybody listening to this podcast? I have a very short answer to this. It was just that recovery is always possible and to never give up hope. I think we've mentioned the word hope um, so much throughout this podcast, but it really is something that we try and promote in everyone, no matter how like long or severe the disorder is, There's recovery is always an option. And I've got a longer answer, I'm afraid, which I'm going to read out because I'll get it wrong. Um, the difficulties that you are experiencing right now and the process you're going through to work towards recovery and a happier and healthier future may not just be significant to you personally, but may one day be amazing value to others as well. And finding a way to use your experiences in such a positive way goes a long way in accepting that your difficult past and a part of a bigger and much better story for your lives in the future. That's a really nice message. I mean, both of them are really nice, but it's really powerful yeah, as well. Definitely. I think it's so lovely to to hear that, you know, an experience that would have been quite difficult for you has has turned around in that way that you've been able to use it and you can see other people being able to use it for the benefit. It's lovely to hear. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's everything for um, the Peer Support Workers podcast episode. Um, thank you very much to both Molly and Shirley for getting involved in this. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thanks thank very you. much.